Welcome to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Here, we're bridging the gap to find a connection in a society that can sometimes feel isolating. We've all experienced our share of successes and the challenges that we faced along the way, and we're here to talk about all of them, along with sharing some tidbits on mental health. So grab your favorite drink, pop a squat, and you might just hear something that sounds familiar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Today I'm joined by a special guest who is so influential and inspirational. When I was thinking of doing this podcast, he was one of the first people I thought to have as a guest simply because he's always working toward his next goal. In 2021, he entered his first bodybuilding competition and he has been working tirelessly to make his dreams a reality. So I can't wait for you all to hear from him. So I'm happy to introduce to you, Jason Sweetman. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me, it's an honor. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, what it's like growing up, anything you wanna share. We'll start with now, I'm 50 years old, competitive in bodybuilding, always pursuing my relationship with God while doing so. Uh, happily married been with my wife for right about 30 years now we have three uh, grown kids and um five grandbabies wow so you're busy yeah definitely staying busy um as far as my background kind of rough i don't want to you know sound like a, a poor poor me story but um Lived between two homes. Uh, my mom and dad divorced. Uh, I think I was five or six. Just kind of bounced back and forth between them two, and uh, both of them uh, just happened to have a uh, drug and alcohol issue. So kind of tossed around from house to house. Um, like I said, whether whether it was uh, one house or the next, uh, they were always moving. I think by third grade, I'd probably entered in ten schools right around there. Uh, moved to different places. Moved to Texas. Uh, from Ohio, then back to Ohio. So there was really not a lot of stability in my life. And uh, I found that stability in uh, in my friends, uh, the circle that I kept, and athletics. I chose to play football, basketball, uh, baseball. I ran track. Of course, as a grown-up now, I realized that I did all of those things just to stay uh, active and not think about my circumstances. I mean, that's kind of brought me full circle to where I am now. Uh, I learned a lot on not how to be as a parent, uh, as a person. And, you know, bygones are bygones at this point. No ill feelings towards my parents. I do know that they did the best with what they knew at the time. A couple years of uh, therapy have taught me that. (laughs) Yes, Um, me too. I'm not afraid to admit that I have uh, have a therapist in God, so I'm in in pretty good hands. Yeah. Um, So you talked a little bit about the obstacles that you had to overcome. And then when you were playing sports in college, I remember you saying that you had gotten hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. I actually uh, got hurt after that. Um, Had an injury at work, uh, working at a lumber yard. Long story short, um, tore my back up pretty good. Ruptured two discs in my lower back. Ended up being disabled for almost three and a half years. Had surgery, physical therapy. Uh, I went through all the, you know, the proper channels to recover. And um, before I knew it, about three. Three years had passed and I had um, put on over 100 pounds uh, because I wasn't able to do what I normally do. I'm extremely active um, still to this day, um, you know, God-given abilities, able body still. But at that point, I had stopped doing uh, everything. I had become depressed. And I can admit now, again, through that great counseling, that uh, at, at some 
some point I was suicidal. I had everything that I've known. I had that taken from me. And it had really nothing to do with the fact that I didn't know how to uh, move forward from from what I was undergoing. So I, my relationship with God uh, was basically non-existent at that point. I knew about him. I never relied on him, never called on him. Um, so next thing I know, I'm 315 pounds, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. I think I was 32 or 33 years old. Uh doctor was very honest with me and said if I didn't do anything that I'd be dead by 40. And that had a lot to do with my nutrition at that, you know, at that time in my life too. Uh, me and Burger King were best friends. I just ate, um, ate horribly. And um, through that, I realized, um, you know, looking around every day, seeing my wife, seeing my babies. Um, sorry. Um, I, I had to do something. You know, I went to the doctor. I said, you're going to have to let me, let me go. Release me from your care. I was under a workman's comp thing at that point. Uh, I didn't care about getting a bunch of money. Um, I knew I had to get my life back. And through that process, uh, um, I really feel like God met me where I was. You know, people say that, oh, I found God. He's never been lost. We're the ones, you know, we're the ones that are lost. Uh, so he met me where I was, and that kind of started the whole process. Knowing that I had to do something, and the craziest thing is being an athlete, I knew exactly what I had to do. I knew what to do, um, but it literally took me three days to walk into the gym once I got released. I was embarrassed, uh, humiliated with where I was, uh, what I looked like. You know, being 315 pounds, you know, six foot three is, you know, you're, you're, you're a big guy. And I remember the first day, I didn't even get out of the car, uh, went home. Said, let's go again. I made it the second day. I made it to the doorknob, you know, the gym, turned back around and uh, whatever it was that uh, was in me the third day, I finally just put blinders on, decided to go for it, um, do what I knew how to do. Um, had a lot of support uh, with my wife. Um, I had some friends, you know, at that point that were pushing me to, to continue to go. And um, before I knew it, I think I was 65 pounds lost before I even knew what was really happening with my body. You know, we care so much about vanity now these days. And like I said, this was uh, 18 years ago or so. So I, I wasn't, I just did what I knew I had to do. I worked uh, day in and day out, uh, switched up my nutrition. Uh, next thing I know, about 10 months had passed and I was 110 pounds down. I had, <laughs> I had to go buy new clothes. I, I don't even look at that as a hard is a hard thing or a struggle in my life because that was one of the easiest things that I was able to do. Yeah, it was almost like you had yourself back because for so long you weren't able to do all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you say that helped with like the depression? Oh, and yeah. How was the mental health side of like once you were back in the gym? I cannot say enough about what working out, being in the gym, being active, uh, taking care of yourself. The mental health side of that is um, I can't even put a number on that. I, I Nobody can prescribe it. Uh, it's something that is, uh, I feel is necessary. You know, of course, uh, being in the fitness industry for a while now, um, I see how it affects people. I see the mental health side. I see it in people who are on a journey that I conquered. So I understand how they feel. And I know on the mental health side, I was, um, I was on cloud nine. You know, I did have myself back. Everything was familiar again. Yeah. And so when you were growing up, you said that your friends were, you know, the community that you had and mm -hmm. the sports teams. And so at this point in your life, when you were going and starting your health journey again at the age of like 31, 32, mm -hmm. um, what was your community like at that point? At that point, my kids were, were pretty young. I believe they all knew me 
being overweight. I think our oldest, um, I, I believe she knew a difference. But as far as the circle I had, I it was family. Um, I, I had um, one or two people that were consistent in my life, you know, especially at the beginning stages of that. Uh, a guy, Rob Overton, and his wife, you know, he and I started working out together, kind of pushing each other. We had similar journeys. But I had, um, you know, there was a camaraderie in that. Uh, I had the support system in my wife um, helping with uh, the meals, keeping me accountable. You know, that's, uh, you know, she's always checking in still to this day. How are you feeling? Have you, you know, have you eaten? You know, how much water have you taken in? So it's uh, the accountability factor for my wife was probably the biggest part. How do you maintain that self-control? Um, how do you set boundaries with yourself or with other people? Mm, um, boundaries. Those are, uh, that's pretty much every aspect of life. But as far as um, fitness side and the nutrition side, I know that I never want to go back. Um, I feel that I, by getting to that point, I feel like I messed up in life. And when I make a mistake, I try my best not to repeat that. You know, there are times um, that I have kind of laid off the working out. You know, my eating has, you know, gone off the off the path a little bit. And I'm, I feel that. I feel the difference in the way I um I move. I just, um, I don't want to say I'm driven by fear, but I never want to go back. You know, I keep pictures, you know, on my social media, you know, I posted them at certain points in my life, you know, to motivate people, to get them to understand that they can do this as well. Um, but I also go back and I look at those and I just kind of shake my head. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, you're never going back to that. You know, so the accountability is day in and day out, uh, make a conscious choice. This is how I'm going to eat. This is how I'm going to do, you know, do my day. I'm going to work out, uh, stay active. And once you develop that pattern, it's honestly a lifestyle change. It's a way of life. Yeah. And I do see that from the outside too, of like looking in on your life. And I think that's one of the things that's most inspirational because you do push yourself, um, <laughs> He's walking around in a boot right now. And so I, I do want to like address that as well. Have you been able to maintain the level of activity that you are accustomed to? And what has that been like if you haven't? Since my last competition uh, was November 5th, um, I had planned some recovery time going through that process. I don't know if that's a whole nother podcast, but... <laughs> Going through that whole process, you put your body through um, a lot of strenuous things. You push your hormones, your central nervous system, you know, your joints, your muscles, everything is uh, taxed. So as a competitor and, you know, having my trainer alone, you know, with my support system, we, we said, let's take, uh, take a little time off, allow your body to recoup, let your hormones, your central nervous system kind of bounce back. So in the month, month and a half since, I'm not going to lie to anybody. Um, I haven't done much. I ended up being sick. I was down for about two weeks. And then I ended up with the, um, the torn Achilles, which, you know, mentioned this lovely boot that I have on. So I'm still able to work out some legs, mainly upper body. But what I have to be more conscious of is my nutrition um, because the activity level has dropped down. I, I have indulged. I have allowed myself. Um, a little bit of freedom and showing myself a little bit of grace because of the past two years of competing. And I think my body is thanking me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think your body needs a little bit of a rest. Um, would you say that you're bad at resting? I'm horrible at resting. Uh, anybody who is close to me, resting is my worst enemy. And having, I've had to learn uh, to rest this past month. I believe that's the, that's the lesson that God is trying to teach me. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, God is God is all in this. Um, he is kind of all over all over me in this because I haven't. I say I can't rest. What it comes down to is I don't allow myself to rest. I'm very task oriented, very goal oriented, 
it's either all or nothing with me. Uh, I prefer the all part. You know, my wife and even my grown kids, they're like, you're going you're gonna to have a heart attack, Dad. You need to rest. You know, my wife, babe, why don't you rest? So I sit there and I twiddle my thumbs. I take about 17 deep breaths in 60 seconds just as I don't know what to do. You know, it's kind of that phrase, I don't know what to do with my hands. And I don't know how to rest. You know, and I'm slowly learning that, trying to allow, like I, like I mentioned a second ago about giving yourself grace. I'm figuring that one out. It's a transition. I feel like we all are. At least I am mm -hmm. still trying to figure it out. Um, and my mom will say, she said actually two days ago, she was like, I can rest when I'm dead. So, I mean, th which is true, but like you have right. such a, a life to live mm -hmm. that like you were saying, you want to make yes. the most of it. You want to be around for it. Yeah. And resting does not seem to be a part of that. No, um, it doesn't. But what I have learned is, um, I guess, the self-care side of it, you when you actually rest and you, if you allow yourself, uh, there's a lot of mental clarity. There's a lot, a lot of spiritual clarity that comes with that. Um, a lot of people say, you know, an, an idle mind is a devil's playground. Um, I find that opposite. You know, when I'm able to just kind of sit and soak in what, where I'm at in life, what have I, you know, my recent goals that I've achieved, what can I do next? And what's coming um, to my heart a lot now is how can I serve? You know, because I do have some downtime, so how can I serve? How can I help? As we know, you know, as a Christian and a, a follower of God, that you do have to serve. You know, he, he wants you to have that servant's heart, so I am trying to figure that one out as well. You know, but the clarity with it is, um, it's amazing. I, I recommend rest. Um, so you made a great segue into the self-care portion. I know you work out. That's part of your self-care. Mm -hmm. You're learning how to rest. Yes. Is there any other thing that you do for self-care? Um, what I am trying to do, honestly, and not, not to get super spiritual, but uh, where I'm at, I want to spend more time in the Bible. The Bible is a love letter to us from God, and I want to I want to learn um, because you can learn so much from it. In my walk, I feel like I'm at a certain point where I'm able to, to um, understand and articulate and not just take, um, take an opinion from it. I can actually see things. I can hear and feel things as I read. I'm not the best at that yet. Um, but to me, the spiritual health um, lends itself to your mental health. I feel the two go hand in hand. If one is suffering, the other will suffer. You know, and as I've gone through this month of, you know, learning a lot, I've, I've suffered in each area because I've, you know, I'll, I'll admit it, I'll be completely transparent. I've let up on a couple things and I've felt a spiritual um, suffering um, as recent as this past weekend. I've also felt the mental um, suffering because my spirituality wasn't fully intact or I wasn't pursuing it like I should and because they do go hand in hand. If you do take that serious, um, you take yourself serious enough, um, but not to a point of being too serious where you're not able to enjoy um, to literally soak up what, what God has for you. Um, because without that direction, you know, it's like years ago, I gave up the wheel, you know, like the mm -hmm. song is Jesus yeah. take the wheel. Cause boy, I can't drive, you know? So I, I just give it to him and I ask him to, uh, to help me lead better. You know, my family, um, as a man, being a man in these times is difficult because of the expectations that are set on a man in society. There's blurred lines between what a man is now. You know, mm -hmm. so I believe as, you know, what the man that God made me to be, I need to be that example. As individually, that's where I 
um, I stay centered. And then speaking about your faith and your perseverance, how does that play into it? And one of the things I've noticed about you is that you're not afraid of emotion and you're not afraid to like wear your heart on your sleeve. This is just how it is. This is this is who I am. Um, and so can you talk about your spirituality, your faith and who that has made you as a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, 100% transparency where I come from, uh, my upbringing, I knew nothing but to fight and not to be dramatic or put theatrics behind it, but I had to fight. I had to, um, I had to persevere through a lot. It's, um, you know, coming from the childhood and again, you know, not, not pointing fingers at anybody. How I look at it now, the situation I was um, able to experience and learn from growing up um, uh, at one point being bullied, you know, because when I was younger, I freckles and red hair, you know, so being bullied, living where I live, Section 8 housing, whatever you want to call it, being on, on, the, on the tough side of town, I guess, and being in the environment that I was in, um, if I, like moving around, even in high school, I went to start my high school career at one high school, and I got bullied there because I didn't fit into their crowd. Long story short, I had to, before I left that high school, I ended up fighting five or six guys, you know, because they, they pushed me too far. <laughs> so I left that high school and went to the high school that I graduated from. That's where I learned um, more so the family feel because we were all in the same situation. You have your upper, middle, lower class and all that, but everybody, what, everybody in that high school seemed to be family. We were all persevering. Our football team, our basketball team, uh, and I speak of the sports because that's what I was involved in mostly, but I gained lifelong friends, you know, and since the advent of social media, I'm able to keep in touch with a lot of my good friends that I was close with growing up. Um, but we all fought. We all was, were fighting for something. We all wanted to get out of where we were at. Just the perseverance kind of developed through that, uh, witnessing other people do it, taking notes, how do they get through that? And just knowing or doing what I knew how to do, but solidifying my relationship with God has helped even more. Um, I, I do take pride in that. You know, and, and I've had this question asked, not just not as deep, but what, why do you keep pushing us? It's, only, it's the only thing I know how to do. I, I know how to fight, and I'm good at finding a way, and I will make it happen no matter what. If I, you know, if, there, if I have a goal in front of me, um, that's literally all I can see. And once I get it, uh, metaphorically speaking, I'll ring that bell. Got it. You know, what's next? Getting into the fitness industry, and people have that in them. But you have to show them how to use it. You know, there's that I get the I can'ts and no, you can. You just don't understand that you can, you know, and not having that as I was growing up, not having, you know, that, oh, you got to keep going. It was just like, you know, feast or famine. You eat or you don't. And that's just the mentality I've always had. Everything that I approach, um, you know, and I've developed this whole mentality of if you stay ready. You don't have to get ready, you know, and that's where I'm at in my life. I've gotten myself ready for this next big thing that's coming. It's just about being ready, you know, for, for whatever. Knowing within yourself that you can handle whatever whatever life brings you, whatever God brings you, that you can look at that thing dead in the eyes and say, I got you. Call it what you want, killer instincts, fight. Um, I thank God that I have it. In part of your business, you've been training others physically. So you can also instill that in them as far as like you were saying, yeah. you can do it. You just have to realize you're doing it. Yeah. Um, people don't know. They stay in their comfort zone. And that's the deadliest place you can be. You know, not just fitness and life in general at your job. If you're comfortable, you're not doing anything. Not growing, that's for sure. You are not growing because growing is very uncomfortable. I'm trying to figure out how to say this um, politely. Um, stop crying about it. I don't necessarily, you know, say that to clients, but if you're up against something and you're like, I can't do it, basically you're crying about it. You don't understand what your body is fully capable of, what your mind is fully capable of. 
as a trainer, um, people pay me to get that out of them. And I too have a trainer. I pay him to get that out of me. That's how I, I reach the next level. You know, training myself, you can get complacent, you get bored. Um, but I know I always want the next level. So here I am. I hired a trainer for my last competition and looked exponentially better, did exponentially better. And that was because I knew, and a lot of people know they need that, but are afraid to go get it. Um, they look at the financial side. Um, they look at the time side. They look at uh, they they spend all this energy making excuses where you could have actually been to the gym by now, you know. And people want to hire me. What are your, what are your rates? And I tell them like, well, that's kind of a lot. I say, okay, how much do you spend every weekend going out to eat? You throw a couple hundred dollars. Guess how long you could have had me for? You know. So you have to make time for yourself. You have to. You, you have to. And if it means that much to you, you yes. won't find an excuse. Excuses. <laughs> Everyone has one, right? Yes, and they all yes. stink. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Hey, it's me, Alex, just popping in to give you a break from our current episode to remind you that your story matters. If you have something that you think you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to check the show notes for a link and don't be afraid to reach out. Also, if you're enjoying the show and want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow me on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. That's S-O-U-N-D-S-F-A-M-I-L-I-A-R dot P-O-D. All right, now back to the show. Um, okay, so how did you get into training? I know you you are in fitness a lot. You've talked about sports and everything. So how did you get into training and helping others? I do have to give credit to my wife. Um, when I lost 110 pounds, and she had just finished school, and she I'll never forget this. She literally grabbed me by my shirt because I was whining about something, and she grabbed me by my shirt right at the collar, and she goes, it's your turn. It's your turn to make a difference. And I said, okay, uh, how? And she goes, you need to teach people how to do what you just did. So being a trainer, you know, so it took a little convincing, even though I've literally have coached my entire life. When I realized that it's a coaching thing rather than being a trainer, uh, I, I went for it, you know, but my wife insisted, you need to show people how to do that. So I did. And to be quite honest with you, I was afraid to tell people my story because of the embarrassment that I had, um, because of what I went through mentally, what I went through physically. I thought of myself, unfortunately, I thought of myself so much better than that, you know, but in my mind, um, having the, the obesity label put on me, that was, you know, that's, we're not going to have that. Uh, being basically sick on the inside, you know, my cholesterol, my blood pressure, having all of those things wrong with me, I was afraid to tell people. And then I remember I got my first job training. I literally just fell in my lap. I got my certification. I was like, mm, okay. Had a couple of clients. Next thing I know, I'm teaching classes. Use your story. Use your story. No, I don't want to tell people I was fat, you know, the whole shame. And then I, I shared it. And the next thing I know, literally my class went from, I think, seven people to 36 people. And I said, oh, okay, this is, uh, this is a good thing. You know, not understanding the impact that I could have, you know, because of, I, I was hung up on the embarrassment, you know, wearing size 44 pants and a 24 inch necklace. It was ridiculous, but um, that's kind of where the whole thing took off. I, used, I had a little fear. I had a lot of push, you know, from my wife and my support system and been doing this for say almost 20 years now. So here we are. That's awesome. Yeah, now I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now you're talking about That's it. That's right. Openly, yes. no shame. None. Um, and I think it's so great because you talked about being a Christian. I'm mm. a Christian also. And just the power that is in a story. Part mm. of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because stories help other people. Yeah. 
But also, God can't use your story if you're not going to share it either. Absolutely. But he can use it if you are just not ashamed. Yeah. No, definitely not ashamed of anything anymore. And so you mentioned you were in bodybuilding competitions. What was that like making that decision to just... How old were you at the time? 49? Um, I did my first one at 48. And honestly, it was like, why not me? That was literally the attitude I had. Um, and I went for it. Talked, talked with my wife about it. And she was like, yeah, why not? And um, holy crap, it's intensive. The whole process. Uh, bodybuilding is not for everybody. Being in a competition, um, the outside chatter, you know, it's all you work out a lot, you know, and you want to show off. I do work out a lot. Um, but what people don't understand, there's a really big dark side to competing. People are competing because they're going through stuff or they have gone through a lot of trauma and they're using that as a rebound. They're using that as a tool to get better. Or if they're better, they are diving into something that makes them uncomfortable. So they can grow. Um, that's kind of what I did. I had an idea of what competitions were and what it you know was entailed, but on the depth of it, it's a 24-7 commitment. You don't have days off. My first prep for my first show was 18 weeks. Whether you're sick, whether you're not, you might take a couple of days off to recoup. But um, if you want to do well, you want to show well, you have to work and you have to eat correctly. And there's different phases. There's your building phase. Kind of a building phase goes into your first cut, then you go into the real cut. Your macros, your, your, your nutritional numbers, your carbs, your protein, your fats, your fiber, um, and your calorie intake on those last probably four, say two to four weeks are cut drastically. Your water intake is up, so you are full of water and not food. Um, your hormones are crazy. Your central nervous system is freaking out. And this is all to step on stage for a total, I get on stage four times. I was on stage maybe six minutes. You know, so you prep your body for this whole competition, and I, I'll tell anybody it's worth it. It's very much worth it. Um, so much so that I was anxious to do the second one. And the first one, I didn't have a trainer. Um, I was working with one nutritionist. Um, she was amazing at what she did. Had an opportunity to learn the nutrition side from my new coach. Um, so of course, I parted ways with uh, with my first coach. Um, no hard feelings. And for the most part, it's weekly. But once you get down to the last three weeks, everything changes daily, you know, and it's you have to adjust daily. Your water intake goes up, your cardio goes down, your strength training goes up, everything fluctuates and you have to be here for it. So it's um intense. <laughs> and not just intense for you, but for the people in your life too. Mm -hmm. oh. To talk about mental health, what is it like during those three <laughs> weeks? Because I know I would be literally yeah. crazy and yeah. you're married, so your mm -hmm. wife is around, you know, you're probably hangry, whatever. It's hangry, yes. So setting boundaries and mental health during those three weeks or so. The first competition had no idea what was going on with my body, had no idea what was going on with my moods. Um, there's points to where I'm feeding myself and not to be nasty or anything, but I'm eating to the point where I'm throwing up in my mouth. But I know I have to take this food in to hit my numbers. And then you get to the opposite side of it to where you're not eating a lot. You're maintaining your um, your needs, your nutritional needs, but there's no surplus. So going through this whole thing, your hormones, guy or girl, they fluctuate um, a bad. And you have to understand that that whole concept and having a wife, a spouse, as you're going through this, um, they also endure it. You know, because they're like, wrong with you i'm hungry 
you know, I'm full or, you know, I'm tired. I can't sleep or this and that. So your spouse is going through it with you. And the hormones of your spouse also fluctuate just so they can deal with you, you know, and it is hard, you know, both, both preps were fairly successful, but this one was, the second one was much better um, on both of our parts because we knew what to expect. I didn't fall off mentally. Um, I didn't go crazy. I think my wife can actually attest to that. She has said that, yeah, you maintained very well. She did too. Um, she was on top of my meal preps for me. We meal prepped every Sunday, um, sometimes Saturday, just to get all the food for the week, you know, so we could have our time during the week. But it is a huge um, mental, you have to take on a lot, you know, and it's it's taxing. Uh, spiritually, I, if I didn't have God, I, I might have ended up in jail. I don't know. <laughs> It's, um, you do get very temperamental. And you actually placed in the competition. Yes. So I feel like your wife should have also received a trophy <laughs> for what she had to yes, go through. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I did place uh, both competitions. I placed much better the second one. I think I had two first and two second place my second. Yeah, she deserves a medal. I, I think that's why I keep them in the living room. Yeah. That way she can, she can have part in that too. So what did you find out about yourself through either training for um, the bodybuilding competition or just in your fitness lifestyle change? Uh, I learned that I was stronger than I thought. I learned that I had a lot more in the tank than I thought. You know, I can equate the workouts. Um, I, there's actually a video on my Instagram where I, I literally, I am on my back and had to summons the energy to finish. It, it's probably one of my favorite videos ever. Not be, you know, because it's me, but just it's the epitome of what you have to do. You're down, you're tired, you have nothing left. You think you don't have anything left. And then all of a sudden, pop, you know, you're able to get those last three to five reps. And I've developed a motto through that training is failure plus some. That's where you have to go. And that, that was um, the biggest thing that I learned is that although I knew I could go past failure, I didn't know I could go that far, which is why I try to teach other people this too. But I learned that I have a lot more in the tank than I think I do. My mental capacity, my physical capacity and spiritual capacity are far greater than I thought. And I'll take that to the grave every single day. So I'm curious about competitions and everything. Are you like competitive against other people or are you just mainly like, I want to just be better than who I was yesterday? Being politically correct, I want to do better. I want to be better. <laughs> Being raw, yeah, we compete against other people and I want to hurt their feelings. Ooh, you heard it here, people. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> I mean, that was, I told my coach, I said, I want to go in there. I want to hurt some people's feelings hey, because of my age, because of what I am not expected to be able to do. I do have a slight chip on my shoulder. I am extremely competitive and you can ask my kids. I didn't, I, I'm not the dad that let them win, you know, and it's, um, it was to instill, you know, a different level of, um, security in themselves, um, which I have. Yeah. Competing against other people. Shoot. I want to beat you so bad that you regret coming against me. Um, I had the mentality when I played sports. I have it in life. Um, the job that I do, I want to be the best at what I do. I was very humbled and honored to receive a personal trainer of the year award. And when I got that, um, there was a sense of a huge sense of accomplishment, um, not only because the county that we live in is massive, but I was um, noticed and people, people knew what I was about and people were willing to take a little bit of time out of their day and vote. And that meant a lot to me. That lets me know that I put forth my best effort. And I am able to affect so many people and they actually appreciate what I have to offer, you know, but you know, on the competitive side, yeah, I want to win. There's, I don't like the second place trophies that I got. I'm grateful. You know, I, the guy that beat me and rightfully so, he deserved it. There's the next competition. Um, I've already told my coach when I go in there, I want to walk in that building and they look at me and I'm like, yeah, just give him the trophy, give it to him. 
whether it's an attitude, whether it's cockiness, um, it's competitiveness. Um, if you don't want to win at what you're playing, you shouldn't be playing. Why, don't waste my time. So you've already had some really great advice during this talk. What is some good advice you've received? Oh, I've, I've received so, so many good little nuggets. You know, my dad would tell me, be yourself and have fun. Wasn't always the best at that. I could be myself, but there were, were times where I took myself too serious. You know, so that kind of resonates with me. You know, just have fun and be yourself. Like I said, I have so many good people in my life. Uh, my pastor, um, my counselor, I have friends, you know, my brothers in Christ. Um, I get texts daily, encouraging texts. So I can't really pinpoint one thing. I just know that God's been good to me and I have a great circle in my life. I, I can't lose. One thing that stands out, I just have so many people that are offering and willing to pour into me, you know, to say, hey, you're okay, you're good. Or, you know, I might be able to do that to them too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that because community yeah. and your people are mm -hmm. so important. Yeah. Yeah. When you get texts from, hey, brother, you know, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you. Hope you and the family are well. I get um, a guy I went to, uh, to high school with every single day. I get a text from him. He's a, he, uh, he's a pastor now. But I get words of encouragement every single day. We've kind of talked about all of your life. So looking back over the last 50-ish years, what would you tell your past self at any point? Easy. You're going to be okay. I love it. Yep. Simple gonna, to you're the you're gonna, point. You're going to be okay. Um, that, you're thriving. Yes. No matter what you're facing, you're going to be okay. I learned that in my, in my counseling. And that's, uh, that's not so much a long story, but that's really it. You're going to be okay. We made it. But if there was somebody who was, you know, being bullied or was struggling with obesity, anything that you might have gone through at any point, what advice, like, what would you say to them? How can I pray for you? Having walked the walk that, I've, um, that I have doesn't necessarily mean that I can help anybody, you know, with what I've gone through. Um, what helped me was people praying for me. What helped me was God finding myself on my face, on my floor, bawling. Um, a lot of people tried to help me, but until it came to praying, that's what I would say. How can I pray for you? How can I be there for you? How can I serve? Because offering that, um, you're offering up a higher power. You're, you're offering up something bigger than yourself. And if that person doesn't know, you know, um, that realm that doesn't know Christ, um, I pray for you. I can introduce you because that's the one that can help you. Amen. Wow, that was good. I do have a question about your faith walk. You said you kind of came to Christ the same time that you were having all of these health issues and needing to get back into fitness. Yeah, my walk with God has been, up until recently, the last few years, has been off and on. Of course, we call on Him when we need Him, uh, when we're, you know, in trouble. Uh, we don't often call on Him when we're succeeding. Uh, we like to give ourselves credit for that. Like I said before, it was just uh, off and on. Now it's, I try to be on all the time. I leave my decisions up to God. I have conversations with God and uh, people that don't understand having that relationship may not understand, you know, what I'm saying. But, you know, when I say I have a conversation with God, I, like in the morning, I'm up at 4.15, 4.30 every morning. So, on, you know, on the drive to the gym, I talk to him. It took me a lot to learn that there's more to praying than just saying, Okay, God, thank you for this day. Um, give me this, give me that. It's it's a wide open. It, it is a relationship that you have to nurture like you do your marriage, like you do a friendship. Um, you have to pour into it. You can't be poured into only. I realize that the more I pour into that relationship, the better off I am. The more obedient I am to what he has for me rather than what I want for myself. I'll tell you what, when I, when I learned that, blessings on blessings on 
blessings, you know, because it was fun. Like, ah, oh, you've got it now, you know, and the biggest thing I want when I, when I get to heaven, like most people, they want to be told you did well, my good and faithful servant. I just try to be obedient as I can. I'm not perfect. I have my days. I have my language. <laughs> God gives you the free will. You have flesh. You have the spirit. Um, it's your choice. And I've always learned that when I choose the flesh, I go wrong and completely go off path. You know, so I just, I'm just glad to be here, you know, because of the things that I get to um, experience. It's tough or not. It's growth. Would you say you've always had that kind of outlook on life? Like, I'm just glad to be here. Or did it take overcoming all of what you previously talked about? No, that's not the case. Because I'm trying to find it. And I'm going to be 30. So, yeah. like, I don't want to wait till I'm 50. Yeah, I wouldn't have Or 60 waiting. or yeah. whatever. No, I, I didn't have that. And it took me a while because, you know, knowing you, knowing your family and I know what you're, you know, what you have to go through as well. So it's, I would just leave it all up to him um, because you and I are doers. That's hard. Um, we get the, uh, let me make you proud, God. Let me make you proud. Watch this. You know, you go over here, you go over there. Watch this. Check this out. Um, I, I kind of let go of that. I do it occasionally. And when I do, I realize it because I'm usually flat on my face, not knowing what to do. And it's a matter of just submitting. That's all there is. Submit is such a... Um, there's such a stigma to that word. It's taken negatively. That's funny. My wife and I have talked about this before because of the uh, wife's role, you know, be submissive. No. And it's exactly. Kidding. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's understandable because of the stigma that that, that word itself carries. Um, but I would honestly just say, learn to give it all up. And, you know, God always knows your heart's desires. Uh, he will fulfill those, but we have to be patient in his process, not ours, because ultimately he's in control. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned, even with, you know, the things that are going on in my life right now. It's like, I don't want to have patience. I want it now. You told me this is what's going to happen. Where is that? You know, so you, you develop that, uh, that being impatient, you develop, um, uh, expectation. Expectations are the worst. You have yours, um, and God doesn't, you know? So, and that's the hardest thing. You, you deal with things in life and you, you expect people to uh, respond a certain way. You don't get that response. And you're like, what? What the crap? You know, so it's having the expectations, developing a perception that you can encompass the entire situation, not just your side. That um that brings a lot to the table. And that this is I'm I'm speaking to myself. This is something I'm learning as we speak. Dang it. Yes. I thought you had it all figured I out. And I was gonna no. just be like, Oh, okay, I heard from Jason. Now I'm good. <laughs> no, girl, it's not that easy. It's um I'm still learning. It's it's hard. It's a struggle every day. And we're all struggling yes. together. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good, yes. I guess. Struggle bus. Yeah. Well, yeah, we just, when you walked in, you said, yep, the struggle is always real. Always real. So. Yep. Last question yes. for you. You have some big news. I'm not sure if you can share it. If mm -hmm. not, it's totally fine. But what are you most looking forward to in 2023? See, I'm different when it comes to that. I want to grow. Um, growth is always my biggest target. That's all I'll say on that. Um, God has been good. And like I said, you know, just a little bit ago, God has been good because of obedience. Looking forward to growing in my relationship with God, of course. Growing in my marriage, uh, my relationship with my kids always. Uh, I don't care how old they get. They're still my babies. Um, five grandbabies. I want to be able to, you know, visit them more often, you know, and be a, be a bigger part of their lives. You know, not just FaceTime. Looking forward to the ability to be able to travel. Exciting. Are you going to do another competition? I don't know yet. I, I don't want to say yes or no. I'm I'm in uh, resting mode right now. And being 50, you know, I'm trying to get over the Achilles injury. 
I don't, know, I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm at war with my shoulders all the time and my lower back from the injury that disabled me. I still have um, a lot of numbness in my thighs sometimes. So we'll see. You know, overall health, I want to work out in such a way that's a lot more fun for me. I like to do plyometrics. I like to jump. I like to run. And that's not really conducive to bodybuilding. I like to go play basketball. So I, I might turn the corner on that and just enjoy myself in my workouts without an immediate goal with just an overall goal of functionality and health. And that's not any less of a goal. That mm. is a still a really yeah, great absolutely. goal to have. Jason, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. For our listeners who want to follow your journey, how can they do so? Um, right now, I think the best way is my Instagram. Um, it is underscore impact fitness and impact fitness strength and conditioning on Facebook. Okay, and I'll also drop those links to his socials in the show notes so you all can check them out. Thank you, Jason. And yeah. that is now a wrap on your first podcast. It's my first podcast. I appreciate you having me. Thank yeah, you. no problem. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sounds Familiar. If you've enjoyed the show and found some value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review and a glowing rating wherever you're listening. We all know how this internet stuff works, so it'll help more people like you find this show. If you want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. Talk to you next time. Have a great week.